Hello and welcome to the Marketing Meetup podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Today we have Jordan Schwarzenberger, who for me is going to be one of the leading voices in our industry uh, for years to come. Jordan is the co-founder of a company called Arcade Media, who uh, manage a YouTube supergroup called The Sidemen, who are a collaboration of seven different YouTubers, each of which have millions and millions of subscribers, who have come together to form uh, one group, uh, which has their own uh, channel with over 20 million subscribers on the Sidemen alone. The Sidemen uh, have engaged in activities in everything from YouTube and expanded out into charity football matches to um, to fast food restaurants. So that's the restaurant uh, sides that you'll hear Jordan re- reference throughout the course of the talk, uh, to vodka, to hotels, uh, to music, to boxing. Uh, you will see Chaos, KSI, who is uh, one of their members, uh, often in, in pop culture. They're huge. Um, the reason why I thought Jordan would be excellent to speak on collaborations, which is what we're focusing on today, is that the Sidemen, over the course of time, are both in themselves, by definition, a collaboration between seven different creators, but then they've also created with brands uh, and collaborated with brands over the course of time. Now, the thing that I think is interesting in part of all of this is that like the Sidemen is a very interesting project. But I think over the course of the interview, what you hear from Jordan is a set of principles that one can apply in your day-to-day life, whether you work in something as exciting as, as YouTube creators or as more everyday as like a, an accounting firm. I think the principles that Jordan speaks about, about building great collaborations, are uh, the same. They're they're central to building collaborations that work. So listen out for those and I hope you can take the lessons from today and apply them in your own context. The last thing we need to do before heading into today's session is thank our featured sponsor for this week. This week it's Redgate Software, who are a fabulous software company based out of Cambridge. Uh, Right now they're hiring some very uh, senior roles as well as some uh, mid-level roles within their their organization and they just have a lovely culture. So if you're looking to get into tech or software uh, in a marketing capacity, then definitely take take the time to check out Redgate Software. It's well worth it. With all that said, uh, it's now time to pass over to the interview uh, that I had with Jordan. I really hope you enjoy. Uh, He's a really smart guy and uh, really interesting to hear about someone right on the edge of uh, pop culture right now. Take care. So, uh, Jordan, mate, you're an absolute... Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Not at all, not at all. And, uh, anytime, anytime. You're a good man. Uh, let's start with an easy one. Well, maybe an easy one, I don't know. Um, but I want to ask you, what's your favourite collaboration that you've ever... Yeah. Been- it's a good question. Just to also preface, I'm in a co-working space in White City. So please, if people are clanging their teacups or anything, that's not me. That's <laughs> everyone else. And I'm sorry for that in advance. But anyway, we'll make do. So my, my favorite collaboration, um, I would say the one that springs to mind of any, everything, especially in the last two years that we've done um, with the Sidemen, is probably the charity match of last year. Um, so the Sidemen charity match is a returnable annual event that the Sidemen have done since 2016. Um, the aim has always been to raise as much money as they can for charity and to make an amazing spectacle and event for creative fans of the creative business in the creative space. So, you know, in it, they have two teams and in those teams are the biggest creators in the country. Uh, and they have historically done it, you know, in places like Southampton um, and in Charlton and so on. And last year we did um, probably the biggest in terms of the production, even though we had Charlton's, bless them, it's not the best stadium in the world, but and, and it had its problems, as I'm sure anyone watching could see. But it was like 27,000 people in Charlton. And um, it was, yeah, it was an amazing event where we had a huge collaboration um, between you know, YouTube Shorts, who are our primary sponsor. We had, you know, Calm, uh, Teenage Cancer Trust, Rays of Sunshine as our, as our sort of charities. Um, we had about three or four production companies working on it. After Party with the lead production company. We had an After Party. We had all sorts of stuff going on. And actually to galvanize all of the sponsors, all the brands, and then all the players, everyone from, you know, Mr. Beast and someone like a Speed to, you know, Cal Freezy, Randolph, like all of the scene really, both here and in, 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 in the U.S., 
to have all of those people come together for for the day and, and it went really well and i don't know if anyone saw it but yeah we you know raised over a million pounds for charity had like 2.6 million concurrent viewers so people watching it at one time at its peak which is bonkers making it made it the fifth biggest stream of, of the year globally uh last year which was which was incredible and ended with about 15 20 million views um you know huge amount of press like people were talking about it it was like flooding everywhere you couldn't go anywhere without seeing it which was which was great and actually a testament i think really to the collaboration bringing the brands the charities um and all the players together and yeah this year we're excited to, to go and do it even bigger uh which is which is great so yeah that's that's, that's just incredible so we've got nicole in in the in the chat saying that charity match was amazing we'll love that afterwards and and likewise nicole's actually dropped in the chat a very pertinent question on this because I hear you describe everything and like I'm thinking oh my god that's a lot of people to bring into one mm. space to do one thing at one time and so Nicole's actually narrowed in on, on one specific element here which is uh saying while the sidemen are all famous some such as KSI have obviously managed to become more successful than others how do you manage to keep mm. everyone happy and engaged in in the long term yeah I mean I think that's a that's a good question and yeah I think the main thing is is focusing on them as people and actually what they want and what they what what, the, what their personal ambitions are because everyone has different have different levels of drive determination ambition interest you know someone like jj ksi like his his drive in in the areas that he loves music um boxing specifically is obviously huge but the amount of work time effort energy you know these things come with a sacrifice he's he's willing to make that sacrifice but obviously it takes its toll and it is not always easy um as i'm sure i don't think anyone saw his documentary which went into his life but you saw a lot of that you saw the ups and downs of being so busy and being pulled in all different directions and it's a, a battle that he has to deal with on a regular basis whereas for a lot of the other boys you know they just want to make content they just want to do sidemen content and maybe some personal stuff some of the others have their own individual channels some don't anymore they just do sidemen um, and because the sidemen is a franchise and a brand is so established and successful actually it's enough to just do that so it all depends on, on what they want to do and actually a lot of them now are getting into a stage in their life where what's making them happy is actually you know their fiancés their girlfriends their you know their, their babies like that that's the the era of the cyber we're in now which is basically settling down and making the the world of content work for their lives i think that's our job really as management is to make sure that we are looking after them and supporting where they wherever they are in their own personal um desires ambitions etc rather than trying to push them in any direction that they don't want to go into and ultimately the best thing about working with a group of seven rather than one in a lot of ways is that they do a lot of that work it's a committee it's a supreme court it's you know a full majority but they do a lot of that decision making and actually if something isn't going to work for all of them they they just won't end up doing it so it makes it so that actually our job's a lot easier because we're not you know we're not we're not in a position where we're trying to move or navigate or strategize for just an individual who can be led by emotions and you know moods and whatever else it's like the seven of them come to really good decisions together and that's how they're able to do it for eight years really without any any management and now 10 years with us so yeah nice that's that's amazing man. you know it's, it's it's really fabulous to hear that a group that big can actually come together because that's a lot of voices in in the room as well so I, I would i would veer towards thinking that would be a negative but the fact that you're describing it as a positive is yeah really interesting like at the beginning you sort of said about like trying to understand the individual motivations behind people and and bringing this into a context where folks you know don't necessarily have a stable of seven sort of incredible you know uh influencers creators celebrities whatever you may call them but into a more business context i'm just interested on the sort of the process that you you do as management of the side men to sort of like get to the nub of like what are the things that people really want? You know, is it is it questioning or is it just literally sitting down in those committee meetings and just listening? I mean, how do you, what's your process for finding out what people want if they're trying to build their own collaborations? Yeah, so I think it's, um, you know, it, it all depends, right? So whether, if we're working with, uh, let's say, brands, then I think, you know, the it's really about how can we bring the two powerhouses together, whether it's, a, you know, like a Revolut, for example, obviously brand that, uh, they're not a bank can't call them a bank as i learned over 18 months working with them you're very upset if you call them a bank uh an app for all things money uh it's basically a bank revolute um you know the with them the, the challenge was like how do we you know build something that really pushes revolute's credibility amongst this youth audience um helps to for us get credibility for the sidemen by working with a, such an established you know huge business like revolute to bring those two forces together for us it it really um you know, it's so important. And actually, like, it, it was sitting down with them and making sure that, 
you know, we were, we were both getting a good amount of value on either side. I think that's really important. And I think for the boys now, they're at a stage in their career and we're at a stage of the business where, um, you know, we aren't willing to, um, and they're not willing to do anything that doesn't really push their brand forward, their credibility, their legitimacy, as well as, you know, financially being rewarded. It's not really about money for them anymore because they're past that point. They own too many things. They have all these different revenue streams. Um, the goal is really about, you know, working with partners for in a collaborative way really from a strategic basis rather than from a commercial basis. I think that's a really nice position to be in. Most creators don't have that luxury because they are, you know, they, they, they're building and they need the money to survive. They're at a different stage. So I think that's where we are with collaboration and, and working out what people want. It's all about finding value on both sides and making sure that anything we do is strategic rather than purely through a commercial lens. I think we get the best outcome that way. Nice. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. And it, it, it strikes me that, that finding that strategy, um, it is a, is a really interesting thing because collaborations in particular feel they rely on like chemistry, you know, as, as much as anything else, they, they rely on like people liking people and getting along and, and sort of coming into these relationships where, um, you know, where people just enjoy working with each other one way or another. So how much of these collaborations for you over the course of time have been down to chemistry and how much have been down to that strategy that you speak, speak about? Because presumably there's got to be elements of both. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a really it's a really good point and absolutely true. I think it depends on on the type of relationship. So with Revolut, um, probably you know being honest, you know, there were some challenges maybe um, or in terms of some of that chemistry, um, in terms of like you know understanding a lot of brands. Right, this is the challenge working with brands. Why we don't do it that much because there is a gap between understanding how creators want to work and how they need to work versus what the brand outcome wants. And I think that can cause strain and tension. And I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some of that during that process um, because of the size and the scale of it. Where I think that's natural. Um, but I think when it comes to business partnerships, you know, a lot of the brands we've launched are IP um, brand building uh, exercises and projects where we're working with you know, either franchise partners, for example, with sides, or we're working with, you know, uh, our JV partner, Hero Brands on XX Vodka, whatever it might be, um, working with those partners is, is hugely about chemistry because you're, you're ending up in a marriage basically with them from a, in a business perspective, from a business perspective where you really need to make sure that, um, that uh, you know, the relationship is good and that from day one you have a vibe with somebody and you actually have that chemistry because if you're going to be working with these guys to build something special over five ten years you need to make sure that you are really like you really like each other and you enjoy being in the same room and you're actually catching because if you don't now then you're really going to resent it um in you know in the weeks and months to come especially when things get challenging and our experience with jvs is that you know it's not always easy like it's very hard i think most people will say the same about jvs they can be very difficult because you are in that marriage and so the marriage is difficult right it's the same thing and actually there are ups and downs of good times bad times but ultimately if you really like the person at the end of the day then you stand a much better chance at making it last a long time um yeah uh, bang on i i don't want to i don't want to uh ask you a question that will like make you stray into a, a place of discomfort but I, I i can't ask you know i can't hear that answer without sort of uh prying into those times where things have gone wrong uh one way or another and like again sort of grounding this in uh business or, or whatever it may be so you don't need to give a specific example what were the principles behind that sort of conflict resolution that were really important at the time yeah about? Uh, trying to trying to overcome those tension points one way or another absolutely i mean i think like you know the biggest challenges are often around value and how much you're giving how much someone else is giving perception of value um other challenges will definitely be around you know um strategic creative alignment making sure that there is that and again that's really important from day one and when that hasn't been as firm it's about establishing where you sit having really distinct i think roles responsibilities i'm making sure that especially in jvs more than anything but also in terms of working with brands that you have a very clear set of you you, you guys do this we do this we come together in the middle but making sure that everyone is respected in those areas and i think our partner here for example been very good at that especially on sides which is you know a business they they are you know a huge company in scotland who are responsible for brands like jamadona kebab island poke chopalina they know food exceptionally well and on sides they've been phenomenal at getting franchise partners on board that you know using their expertise from a gdk fastest growing brand of 2021 in the food space and bringing that into into something like sides um so they really know you know they're on the operational side of the business the strategic the business side we are more on the creative marketing and consumer facing side and we come together in the middle and it works ex exceptionally well um so i think that's an example where actually you need to have 
those things in place. And I think the more you know your roles and responsibilities, the better it is for everybody. Again, like I think in any relationship, it's important to know where everyone stands and what everyone does. Um, and yeah, I think sometimes collaboration, especially working with creators and working with seven of them, if that's not done right, it can it can definitely cause challenges. And as mentioned, those challenges can, can range in a number of ways. But yeah, you need to make sure that from day one, if possible, those foundations are good. Yeah, spot on. And, and like on a mechanical basis, and, and so there's two questions that come from this. Uh, the first is, how long do you typically sort of engage with someone before you go, yep, yeah, you know what, we're, we're going to work with you, you know, and and then secondly, and it's a very, very boring but important point, you know, do, do you write all this into contracts? Is that like a really, really important part? You know, we do the marketing and, and you do the operations or is that just sort of like implied because you're deciding to sort of go on this adventure together, which could presumably shift and change over the course of time. Yeah. Again, really good question. I think it's, you know, there's good and bad. Um, there's no right way of doing it. I think we've done both sides of that. We've, we've had contracts, which are very, very extensive, which go into, well, you do this, you do this. I think my thing actually is that's not the way to do it. And where it's been more successful is actually the looser it is in a way. If you really, if you both have that shared vision, you're both, making those commitments which are clear and tangible in terms of whether it's you know financial commitment or whether it's commitment in terms of marketing whatever it might be um those are clearly identified i think as long as you're you're honest and you have that spirit of we're building something together we're really partners then you know the minute i think actually you get into the minutiae of well you do this tiny bit here and this bit here and da, 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 actually have you not done this bit in the contract in line 54 <laughs> six actually this week then again the relationship kind of doesn't collapse but it can be really strained because you go well actually you didn't do this thing in line 63 or clause 12 or verse 3 whatever it might be and then you again you kind of go back and forth and I think you want to avoid that as far as you possibly can and where we've had a lot of success in our collaborations have been almost the looser they are but the more um I guess committed in terms of energy determination passion they are to begin with the more there's an alignment in that vision um and there's obviously some clarity and some 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 tangibles um, the better it is for everybody but you want to be almost uh, going into it as a partnership rather than in a transactional way I think that's maybe the the, the difference I think nice I love that that I mean it, it's something that actually feels very relevant so um, we often speak about uh, our sponsors at the marketing meetup and you know we describe them as sponsors and partners interchangeably um, the, the experiences where we've had the best experiences are where you know with our current group of sponsors uh where they've bought into the vision of a community which comes together based around positivity and kindness, you know, and they're like, they're on the journey and they're like, they know that the value is in the values. Uh, and so they decide to sort of go on that journey with us one way or another. And therefore we can come to them with silly ideas over the course of time. And they go, yeah, you know, that seems really sensible or, or the other way around. Um, so 100%. Just, just to add to that as well, I think. So I just go to just to add to that. Um, I think when you're, especially when you're working with creators, like collaborating based on the, you know, the creator, them, their vision, their mission, their values, their personality. But actually, if that's the engagement rather than, well, how many people can you hear? I think, again, that's a much better way of doing it. I think so much um, in, in the influencer marketing world, of course, is about numbers and data and metrics, et cetera. But actually, you can get, I think, a lot of the surprise hits are actually where it's more about the softer, intangible qualities of, of a creator working with a brand that can actually move brand more and actually do better for brands than just focusing on numbers i think actually when you focus too much on you know well you're almost treating talent as if they're media inventory too heavily i think of course is a part of that but working with agencies through the years so much of the conversation is around the media inventory and i know that's how a lot of people in, in agencies are kpi'd and benchmarked but it's a really sterile way of working and actually when you're working with talent and creators it's there's so much intangible gold there if you actually just go slightly left field in your approach and i think for us the best collaborations we've done are the ones where brands really understand that youtube i think were a really good example of that working with us on the charity match where you know the way they work with us their demands if there were some elements of media of course but actually the vast majority of their support was actually just look make this happen make it amazing we believe in you we believe in the vision go for it rather than we need to make every single you know every single every single bit of our focus about how many instagram stories and tweets and posts and, did it and how much reach have we got and what's the cpm it kills i think the the kind of creativity and, and the soul of it really um yeah hang on no you know i i love that you use the example of creators and 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 because I, I think that creativity you know element is so so important it strikes me that if you are you know a b2b accounting firm you know the principle still applies you know that the um you know you need to be on board with the vision one way or another because i think what you spoke to as well was like not counting score you know in the same way as you don't 
count score in a great marriage or, or whatever it's just like you know um if you're on the same page you know we know what we are and we know what we're looking to achieve it's uh it, it feels like a far better place to uh to come from which is which is bang on um we'll take a step back because uh I, I went into contracting and I, I didn't even ask the question about um which Haley has asked in the q a uh which is how do you approach someone you want to collaborate with for the first time or we'll do it both ways in the sense that how do you filter those collaborations that uh sort of come inbound and, and decide whether or not to take them yeah so um so i think for us it, it begins with you know is there alignment in terms of vision and in terms of what we're trying to both achieve right so i love personally like work with brands and things so not a tricky one but slightly because we don't do much of it at all right the boys don't work with brands really ever um now it's very very few and far between um, but let's say we found a brand there they have there are conversations there are people out there who I look at and I go I would love to do something with them that would be amazing because a it would make people sit up which is probably the most the most important thing for me actually is doing something where you know where you're joining forces with another entity where the audience and seeing it go wow like that I wasn't expecting that like Revolut I think Revolut's a good example of, of us doing that pretty well where people probably weren't expecting that that joining of forces but because we did it and because um it was at scale it makes everyone go wow there's there's something really different and left field about, about that, that partnership which which people respond well to and that's why it did well for them um so I think that's a big part of it is actually just finding alignments which are unexpected but also have a thread and a shared value system which is interesting and ultimately makes us go yeah this is cool to work on this is different I don't there's no point doing anything you know they can do as many um you know traditional YouTuber deals as they like they're not going to move the needle for anybody the brand maybe short term financially but it's not going to go anywhere long term really and for the creator for the subscriber it won't do anything for them strategically so it's finding those stories and bringing in the kind of coming together from a narrative perspective value perspective um that just makes you go yeah this is cool this is different and in terms of filtering i think yeah for us now it's very much about is it meaningful enough financially because most brands these days want more and more for less and less and don't really want to invest properly into content and into um creators in a way it's, it's more a spread better exercise um amongst the sort of micro influencers more and more i think like the bigger creators the economy of, con of content creation has changed dramatically with tiktok and everything else where actually what is the value of having a million followers if you can get a million followers on tiktok within a few months like and that is what people are doing. When you've got so many creators who have reach, like what's the real differentiating factor in terms of money? And when brands are looking at working with creators, primarily due to, due, you know, probably through the lens of numbers and return on investment, of course, that's obviously that makes sense. Because there's so many out there now, it's just the prices come way down. So how many brands can really do, do make, make how many brands can really come to the table for the cyber, for example, with an offer that's meaningful enough for all seven of them to get behind and really back and be invested and be, you know, excited about it in a way that isn't, um, you know, traditional in this country, which is relatively small. And I think that's few and far between anyway. So that cuts a lot of people out. And then I think it's about creative alignment. Do they trust the boys to deliver something great? Are they going to try and prescribe every element word? detail to such a degree that you end up killing the soul of of the the integration or the partnership and make it so that the audience can read through it and see that it's it's fake like do they get that um, and also do they buy into the assignment do they buy into the vision do they want to be a part of it um and do the boys love it i think that's always the best way is when there's genuine affinity and love from the creator to the brand or from the talent to the brand that way you you get the affinity and when you've got that it, it sells itself rather than you being well i'm holding up this can because they paid me a lot of money that's <laughs> really i think you know a meaningless but also people see through it and it, it kind of is soulless for the creator to even do so i think yeah when you're at the level of the sidemen now they're really selective and i think a lot more and more creators at that top end when they start breaking into ip and having more revenue streams and long-term income will just get more and more selective and actually won't want to just do those transactional deals the transactional days i think are kind of going a little bit from both sides of the camp a brands not be have enough money to really work with the people at the right at the top but also creators going i don't need this really and it's not authentic to me or my audience so why would i bother I love that. thank you and I, I think it speaks you know exactly to your point you know I, I just wanted to reiterate rather than add new information but that, that sort of creativity that authenticity that needs to come through on all of these things whether it's a creator a creator brand partnership or a, a business business partnership you know if, if it feels weird then it's probably weird <laughs> you know and and, and 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 people will respond accordingly you know everyone realizes how these things work one way or another so uh genuinely it feels important um so there's there's two questions that are sort of 
uh, top in in the uh, in the Q and A. One one is my fault, uh, but then the second is is uh, interesting. So the 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 first one, which is my fault, is what is your actual job? Uh, it wasn't clear from the intro. So like, there's that bit. Um, and then yeah. second question. <laughs> yeah. So so it's <laughs> uh, and important. Um, yeah. So I am I'm the co-founder of Media myself of yeah arcade media which is the management for the assignments we manage assignment all three of us are their managers um we just do it as a three rather than individually um and yeah we manage them so what that means uh for those who don't know about talent management say is is around how do we build their brands build their business we are you know trying to take them from a to b strategically creatively creatively and commercially um and help them to ultimately realize the ambitions that they've always had and to help them to relieve the stresses and time commitment of you know being all all in invested in things day to day by taking a lot of that pressure off them um so what we're also doing a big part of, of how we're different really is that we're only with the side men that like we don't manage other clients which is a bit uh scary if they're not as big as the sky side men but if they're as big as the side men i think it's scarier to manage other clients because you get distracted on the opportunity with them which is so big and our whole aim is to basically automate their life, automate their world um, as far as we can on the co- on the corporate side, the commercial side, bring in corporate structures, you know, hire great people, increase the quality of their team um, and build them IP and brands that can outlive them um, and make their just life generally easier so they can be better with better content and focus on what they're good at and what they're best at, which is the content creation. So that is, that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. I love that. And uh, the, the, the last bit there, the last sentence I think was wonderful in that you sort of said, uh, we allow them to do what they do best. And I, I think that that speaks to the core of um, so many great collaborations as well, right? You know, that say with the marketing meetup, we collaborate with other brands um, when when they're doing something that we can't one way or another. Um, and having that core competence and sort of realizing what you're good at and what you need someone else to do, I think is the opportunity for brands out there to just identify, okay, these are the collaborations that we want. In a way, you know, Arcade is collaborating with Sidemen to, to sort of produce, you know, something which is better. Um, it's a wonderful example of it in action. There's a follow-up question here from Azim, um, which is about you personally, um, which is how have you developed your negotiation skills as a result of your role? I some relationships, Ooh. lots of back and forth until agreements are reached. <laughs> what advice? Yeah. That's a really good question. Uh, uh, work with accountants and people who are much better than myself. That's 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 the way. So I have two uh, two co-founders, Aaron and Sam, both of whom are accountants. And by, by in terms of their trade, they really are good at you know contracts, uh, looking at the business side of things. Um, I am I'd say average at negotiating because I I feel like I maybe I've gotten a bit better at it over time, but my instinct is to be a bit too nice. Like yeah, whatever. I don't overly <laughs> dig into the detail. I'm not the best at, con- at contracts because I don't care about 95% of contracts. I'm just like, let's go on with it. So I need, drastically need somebody like an Aaron, somebody like a Sam who get into the detail and they love the detail. I don't enjoy the detail. I'm just more like, look up, big picture, let's go for it. Whereas they're more prudent. And especially Aaron, uh, when, it, when it comes to contracts, he sort of leads on the commercial side, Aaron, uh, Sam more on the finance side. So he can really dig into the detailed. He's, you know, he, he's a very analytical person. So he can, and probably sometimes and he'll say this, like too analytical in some ways, right? But he can get so into it to the point where, you know, he can make sure that everything's covered. So if I have any contract or anything that I'm working on, we'll have agreed tom- terms, headline things, I'll send it, Aaron, you you could take it on and he just does it. So I would say a good, good thing to do is bring people around you who, if you're not naturally good at it, to do it and, and learn from them, but make sure that you're not uh, trying to do everything and be like, and pretend that you're good at it if you're not, because I'm definitely, it's not my area where I'm like, this is this is where I absolutely excel and I don't really want to. So hand it over to the people who can. Uh, it's, it's a good, uh, maybe, I don't know if that's good advice or not, but it works <laughs> for me. No, I, I think that speaks to an idea of self-awareness though, right? You know, and, and so I, I think we can apply this in two contexts. The first is self-awareness of you and your um, your skills and where you're good and where you're bad. But we can also apply this in the business context when we're speaking about collaborations. You know, this is where my business is good. This is where my business is bad. And so like, I'd be interested in either, either the work you've done on yourself or the work that you've done in your business with your co-founders to sort of identify where your weaknesses lie and where you need to bring people in. So what, you know, are you, are you a self-reflective person or, you know, do you, do you, do yes. that? I mean, yeah, it's a really good, really good question. I mean, I think, yeah, like I, I feel like it's a bit, it's a bit, um, it's not that humble to say you're humble, you know, or not humble to say you're self-aware really. 
but but at the same time I know I'm definitely not self-aware most of the time however I try and be more reflective in terms of I know I'm really bad at this I know I'm okay at this and I'm better at this and therefore you know we always try and that's why I think like working is I can never start a business on my own again I, I did it once when I was 19 and I'm not doing it again it was it was okay but really and truly like having a co-founder this is like the best thing in the world and I, I I'm so grateful every day for the fact that I have the two of them because doing it on your own is so lonely and um it's really difficult right as anyone who started a business knows it's so hard to just not have the sounding board you're all you have to do all things whereas for us i think we've become we're very fortunate and it's a massive blessing to have three of us who all have different skill sets like sam and aaron overlap much more they're both accountants and we're both very good at that that's what they did exceptionally well aaron's probably more creatively commercial sam is more entrepreneurial finance driven so and i'm creative and strategic really so we balance each other out really nicely we all have our roles it's always saying about collaborations it's the heart of what we're trying to talk about we all have our roles you'll know where we stand what we lean on so so much so that we've had two years without any issues between us um at all there's no conflict really ever maybe tiny things but nothing substantial and there's never been really a moment where it hasn't flowed really well so once that structure's in place there's no egos overlapping there's no well I do this you do this you know if everyone knows where they stand and especially in a co-founder collaboration then I think it flows so well and we've had you know I think immense amount of just operational success because we've been able to know where we stand like Sam does the invoices he does the money Aaron does the brands and the commercials and I do the creative and the strategy it's like that's kind of every part of the, the flow um and then yes yeah, knowing I think all of us know where we don't where we aren't is good and I think we're all very comfortable in that like none of us want to be the big the big style want to be the one who is doing it all or taking on more like I think we've all had to keep keep each other nicely in check but also just be yeah be aware and, and drop our egos or something actually Neil Rodford who's the CEO of YMU before Mary who's now the CEO there um, and he always used to say, like, uh, you know, he had like egoless and like removing the ego is one of the most important parts of, of YMU. And it was one of the most important parts of that business. And I think it's the same with any good business. It's actually leaving that at the door. The sidemen are a good example of that, too. I always think actually how there's so many opportunities for egos to flare. And yes, they have their moments. Of course, we're all human, we all do. But generally speaking, they're very self aware to just pl- put their emotions at the door, put their ego at the door and work collaboratively for the betterment of the group. And I think we try and do that as well at Arcade. And I think so far it's been it's been great actually. And I can't, that part of it, the ability for us to get on well, to enjoy working with each other, to not really have any problems, um, but also to be honest and frank and, and hold each other to account, I think is a testament to knowing our weaknesses, knowing our flaws and knowing our place. And I think that bit of knowing our place has been one of the, the fundamental elements to why we've been able to do what we've done in, in quite a short space of time. Right. <laughs> how come how can we go after that answer <laughs> that's like that's bang on i mean we've got we've got chantelle in in the chat here saying i'm so impressed with jordan i have such imposter syndrome right now which i'm sure wasn't what you mean oh, bless you thank you <laughs> <laughs> and, and we've got we've got amber uh saying delegation and self-awareness are such great skills i love that answer as no one can be the best at everything thank you mate that was that was really uh wonderfully stated and, and i think so important and if i was to draw out a couple of principles there because I, I i think it's really important what you said about ego because quite a few of the questions that are coming through are like about power imbalance you know one way or another like if if someone is more powerful or implied to be more valuable um how one can how one can navigate that and at the very least there, I think you spoke to uh, knowing what your value is uh, and leaving your egos at the door one way or another, you know, uh, those two things feel really important. And the third, which we've already covered is, is sort of having that shared vision or, 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 or idea of where we're going. I think all three of those things feel uh, super important. My co-founder is now in the chat saying he's better than me. So there we go. That's, that's why we're completely dysfunctional. <laughs> but um, I'm interested beyond those, those three points. So the, uh, shared vision, the leaving the ego at the door, and and, and having, um, having having clear sort of tasks or or a part in the role. Is there anything just so we can close the door on power dynamics? Uh, is there any last bits of advice that you could sort of share if there is sort of like a an imbalance of of power one way or another? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one thing that's that we've experienced right over the last well, really last year is when since we all came together actually. Uh, we're in, I mean, White City's house now, but it was in the Strand one. And we sat down at the table, uh, around the table, and sort of said, This is when sort of a lot of the LinkedIn, um, I guess the LinkedIn content, uh, personal branding stuff was really moving. And I've 
we've been watching for a few years about how important that is. And I didn't actually do it when I was in YME because we kind of had a sort of unspoken rule, but somewhat of a rule, which was we didn't want to do it. We didn't want to get in front of our clients too much, which I completely get to a point, but actually in the way that social, especially business social on LinkedIn has just catapulted, I think companies that do that miss a huge opportunity. There's the expectation that you speak. And I always believe that why I mean, I still believe now, if you can't market yourself, how can you market anybody else? And that's ultimately your job as somebody who's representing to be a version of that person in the corporate world and to represent them. And you can't do that by being silent. It's just my belief. So we all got together after we'd sort of been grinding away, uh, you know, on our brands and everything before they launched, actually, I think, or maybe they just launched. Um, and we sat down and agreed, actually, that I, you know, we, we wanted to take LinkedIn more seriously, take personal branding more seriously. And we all kind of got around and agreed that, you know, I'd be happy to do that. I had the biggest platform at the time, maybe like two or three K or something on there. And, and, you know, I was willing to put myself out there and be that sort of ambassador for us. And, you know, that over a year now or so, obviously it's grown quite nicely and, and building and so on. Um, but that obviously adds a whole another set of challenges into the mix because then you've got someone who's like the visible face of a co-founder relationship. And how do you navigate that? And that's something that we've had to really work out in a positive, in a really positive way. But I, I would, I'd be lying if I said that emotionally that has always been easy because if you've got someone out there who is visibly the head of something that requires everybody in your co-founder relationship to a, even though you might agree with it, emotion, the emotional reality of that can be a bit different. So when you're talking about, you know, when somebody is recognized as the person who is doing the thing, and I have to always be racking and go, no, no, yeah, but we're part of this team and this is the, I, I'm one of, but people don't, people are very simple and people look at somebody and they see something immediately and, and that's what they assume it all is, right? They don't dig into these things. So I think that's definitely something which has come with a huge amount of learnings, good and bad around how do you balance the emotional reality of, um, you know, having... I'm not going to say like a star, but having somebody in your team that you've designated as your ambassador, your flag bearer, your figurehead. Um, and how do you emotionally get behind that? And I think the key really is that before that starts, you have to emotionally get behind that. And that's a real ego challenge for everybody, but especially for those who aren't that person to learn how to be comfortable being optically behind and being optically, you know, further down the pecking order. Does that matter to you? To some people, they're like, I'm very comfortable being equally as important in reality, but perception in terms of perception, not known. Others might say, yeah, but I kind of want my moment in the sun. And actually I think it's really important. And this is what you know, Aaron and Sam be brilliant at is, is them both being very comfortable with that reality that, you know, I'm comfortable putting myself out there and being that, and that comes with good and bad. Like you then have to be the first to, you know, make statements. You have to be the first to, you know, be, uh, you have to, you have to, you know, for good and for better, for worse, you have to be that guy. But at the same time, that also comes with more opportunity, more profile, more things that I can be doing personally. And my whole aim with all of it, but on a personal level, is to always do it for the betterment of the site, well, for Arcade and the Sidemen always, rather than myself. I have no interest personally in being known, being famous, being in any way a profile other than being able to use a platform and build a platform to draw attention to the work that we're doing the great people in the team to the amazing stuff that the cyber have done over the last eight, eight, 10 years now. And of course to arcade. So yeah, that's just an interesting, I guess, uh, scenario that's played out for us over the last sort of year, which I think for a lot of people is so important because I think personal branding is so key. And actually if you're not comfortable putting yourself out there, give it to your co-founder. If you have, if you're lucky enough to have co-founders around you, give it to somebody who is. Um, but I think it's better to do that and to navigate and get through it rather than to waste the opportunity of not doing anything because you all want to be equally quiet. And so no one then is able to be that flag bearer. I think nowadays more than ever, personal branding, everyone is a content creator. Everyone has a personal brand, whether we like it or not. It's just about how much we, le we lean into it and we take advantage of it. But that is who we are these days. So it's important. I think more than ever, the businesses make the most of that. And we remove our egos to allow people who are naturally ready and, and up for it to really go and do their thing. Um, otherwise, I think you all lose, actually. Uh, you know, it's so important. You, you, you spoke to uh, communication there, you know, as you, as you said your words, it, the thing that struck me was that, like, uh, the way that you speak is always like, you know, this is for someone else, one way or another, you know, this is, this is for us or this is for uh, the people we're representing, uh, but whatever it is, you know, um, one way or another, we all win if one part of us win. And I, I think, you know, sort of that ego play um, is so important. And like, whether it's personal branding or, or indeed, you know, a collaboration between, you know, uh, two, two slightly more uh, mundane uh, sort of companies, I, I think in either case, you know, if there's a broad agreement and principle that, yeah, you know what, we all win together, then like that feels, that feels really, really important. Um, let's go a little bit more 
uh, tactical uh, because I'm aware that we said we won't go for the full hour necessarily and, and there's still 13 open questions from the community so <laughs> I want to make sure that we pick those up from from everyone uh, so the next one comes from Amber uh, which is a tactical thing about uh, building successful collaborations uh, right from the beginning and I love this because in particular Amber picks up on the beginning stages so Amber says what do you think are the most important steps to building a, select, a successful collaboration campaign? Do you have any top tips for both getting started and maintaining momentum? And is that is that bit that feels particularly interesting, that starting and, and getting momentum? Yeah, so it's a really good question. I think, um, yeah, so I think I'd obviously it would depend on what the type of campaign it is, of course, whether it's, you know, you're entering a business together, like you're building a brand, or if you are, you know, working with someone as a brand, let's just say, I guess, a brand, partnership for now because that's probably the most applicable for most people rather than starting your own starting your own thing um i think how do you start something well i think it's about really nailing the narrative as to why like why are you working together so for us everything is about storytelling and narrative whether it's us launching the charity match whether it's us we recently changed sets inside plus and completely redid you know added more formats and changed that up so what's the story what's the thread because i think now people like to be taken on a journey and if things feel like they are in isolation i think a lot of campaigns you see it's like well yeah but why like why is this talent working with this this brand and often it doesn't really make sense of why is this brand working with this other brand and it can feel a bit um disjointed and i think actually having a story having narrative having a sense of um you know grandeur around it in some way like making it feel special will then make it more valuable to the audience so we found that the more we hype something up and we give time to the rollout you know the teasers the you know the the, the build-up having like a launch asset that's super strong um that sets the tone like putting money into that i think is actually one of the most important things you can do like having you know a proper banging trailer ad like one of the good example for us actually is our uh, side cards trading cards with tops and if anyone saw this but it was very much in the kind of community in a way but it was the trading cards tops first ever trading cards collection with creators that we did last year um and it went down really well we crashed like tops's site like it, it um yeah, like it, it was just they weren't ready for, for the traffic they had, as no one seems to be when we do. So we always tell them it's like up your bandwidth, get ready. And I'm like, no, it'll be fine. Then it always crashes every single time. So it become a meme now. Um, but like we crashed up to the site, like sold incredibly well. And you know, there's a market that's still going and, and building. But the way we launched that and the whole build up to that was really thought through. It was the most important thing. Like, how do we get to the point where, like, and somebody said it yesterday in the conversation I was having, where well, you've sold it out before you've even dropped it. That's the aim. Um, and I think to do that, you need a runway. People are lazy generally and people don't care about what you're doing. So you have to really make it worth their while. Um, and for example, if you're like with Tops, it was building up a whole runway of moments, activations, beats, um, things that were coming and happening up until the point where it launched. Where I think we did like every day, we do normally like a two week runway and every day in the two weeks, we drop a new thing. Or I think in the first week, we drop a new thing. So it might be, okay, this redemption, this redemption, this redemption. And then we have the second week, which is like a real then build up of, you know, hype anticipation, getting everyone ready. Every, and we're always coming back to the date, the date, the date from the first drop. It's like, when's this dropping next Sunday, uh, 8 p.m. Let's just say it's normal to oh, next Sunday, 4 p.m. is the time we often drop stuff. So it might be Sunday, 4 p.m. And we'll be pumping that date, pumping that date, pumping that date, making sure that no one forgets that it is next Sunday at 4 p.m. <laughs> that it drops. Like you are not wasting a moment. Even though you're on the side, and even though you have a huge platform, the worst you can do is take that for granted. And if you have a small platform, never take it for granted, whatever you have. Like make people so, so almost not annoyed is the wrong word because you want to make it always entertaining and fun, but pound it in their faces um, to the point where you cannot forget that it is next Sunday at 4 p.m. Because if you remember that it's next Sunday at 4 p.m. and the content is great, which is the key thing for us as well, making sure that everything's entertaining, it's fun, it's exciting. You're bringing people on like a story, a journey, a narrative. Then by the time it gets there, you, you've got them. And like we had, you know, a huge amount of people on the site, obviously, and, you know, huge sign up. There's another thing that I would also recommend for campaigns is something that we do every time is we have like a sign up list, uh, like a website sign up list. Every time on day one, we drive traffic to that website sign up list. We collect as many um emails as, as we can from that driving over to that point and then we see already the interest but also we have people there ready to go from day one and then you're bringing those people on a journey as well those are the ones who've already shown their interest so you've got two weeks of serving them emails giving them great content bringing them on their journey and then again when you get to sunday 4 p.m everyone knows it they're there they're ready and you sold it out and that's like honestly it's the best way of doing it is just really pumping for a longer period of time i think people really don't do that often it's like, oh we're dropping this thing tomorrow 
mm. and then it's out and oh it didn't sell out or you know and actually why should people hey how many people are, are there watching that first announcement are people probably, probably busy and again they don't overly care so you have to make them want to care and that's also about showing that you're giving a lot of resource and time and energy and, and um you know creativity to actually making it worth their time um and people respect that i think uh, from, is definitely our learning um yeah no, I, I love that. Um, we've got Oliver in, in the chat saying that's a really great point. Love that runway. So there's enough room to get the message through. It's, it's bang on, you know, it's, it's, it's marketing 101 in a way, but so few of us actually do it. It's, it's so silly, you know, because we get excited. We're like, yep, you know, I've done this thing. I want to get out. And then, and then, you know, so often things will, will, will land with a thud, with a thud rather than a, you know, sort of flying off. So thank you for sharing that. We, we had Claire in the chat as well saying, um, I was a mum crashing their site on the, on the, on the tops example. So <laughs> Maybe. I love that. Well done, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> we, we got um, a question which loops into your answer there. Cause you, you mentioned the narrative in particular, um, and, uh, and and Paul in the, in the, in the question says, "What's your process or favorite way to generate ideas for collaborative partnerships?" So you know, finding that narrative or, or creativity on a on a more ongoing basis. So yeah, I think that's a good point. I think um, I think you know what I think now for us, right? Our, our collaboration and I'll move away from brands. We sort of talk about that. Oh, we don't really work. As I said, we don't work with brands really for numbers of a number of reasons. Um, typically, it's more as more problems than it's worth often budgets aren't ever very good um really in the uk you can if you can branch into the us sorry if there's loads of there's probably lots of brands here but yeah it is what it is in this country it's just all very um it's all just small it's a small country it's a small uh, market um smaller than maybe i think we realize actually when you go to the states to see what they're doing, it's like night and day anyway i digress um i think most of our collaborations these days are working with great executives people talent who can come in and build a strand of our business or really launch something or take us on another pathway right so you know i can't speak about stuff that we've got coming up but for example in a thing that we will be looking to launch quite soon um it's a very different thing but we found an individual who is exceptionally um exceptional at what he does very um culturally plugged in but also just from experience perspective perfect for the sector it'll make sense when it all comes out but that sort of person is actually like having the network that allows you to access great talent and great people because in reality like a company is just a collection of people and if you don't have amazing people, then you have nothing there. And I think our collaboration more than ever is actually about finding amazing executives and people who can come in and really lead these businesses and these trends, both creatively, commercially, operationally, strategically. And I think that's now like, that's for me the biggest thing. So it's so important. Therefore, it's why the personal branding stuff is so important, being present, having that, uh, that presence online, you know, going to events, you know, being in and around it, being visible and actually having you know having having awareness around who you are is so important because it creates a gravitational pull for brilliant talent and then you can collaborate on brands ideas and, and projects um in a way that i think you, i really couldn't do before for example with linkedin having that little platform there um it's been amazing just to have that you know have, have the uh the ability to connect with so many great people and for people to come to me with ideas and actually be like oh i want to work with you can we chat etc and people to know what's going on so you meet random people or people you'll end up having emails being like oh i've been following what you've been doing can we get a coffee and actually that might spill into something and then a collaboration comes from it so i think now more than ever being present is so important having a network and just being out there because that's ultimately how you get the most amount of collaboration taking place is just by, and it's old school stuff, the new or revolutionary, but just by being present. I think it's yeah, now more than more more important than ever, especially with working from home, people living in different parts of the country, like trying to have that presence. Um, yeah, it's gold. I think now, um, and yeah, increasingly has shown to me the power of personal branding, the power of networking in a way that I wasn't really expecting before. Nice, I I, I appreciate that, and I think so. If, if I understood the answer correctly, then then it's it's you find your creativity through great people. Great people create great opportunities. Interesting. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly what you said. <laughs> That's exactly it. I saved about three minutes and moved on no, to no, the next no. question. <laughs> it's good. I, I, I love the energy though, because I, I think this speaks to both experience. You know, you're just like, yep, you know, we've, we've got all these different directions that we uh, can can take it. Um, let's... Um, Let's take this last question uh, from Ali, because um, I saw that Ali was uh, in the chat as well, appreciating your work uh, with the Sidemen as well. So um, I think it's only right that, that we give it to them. Uh, so Ali asks, um, when did you know that the Sidemen were the right uh, creators for you to invest all your resource and time into? 
just to finish off. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for that. And the things, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, I think they are the one. I, this is the thing we we went around the houses on this around. You know, would it be worthwhile working with other creators, other talent, other people? Do we want to build a management company? We kept coming back to the reality that there's no one there. There, there are they, there is there's no one in the UK really, maybe a handful of people who can actually do anything meaningful in a, from a creative perspective at true scale. Um, and it's not to demean what anyone does or any any creators out there because there's some exceptional talent, but just the scale of it is so much smaller and when we kept coming back to it, you realize the sidemen are kind of the only ones who, who could do it at that level. Obviously you've got people at like Squad now who are coming through and doing incredible work and building out their infrastructure and their content. Obviously they're sort of further behind in their journey. They only started recently. They, I mean, you saw this, I don't know if anyone saw the scenes in Australia, but they got absolutely mobbed. It became national news, incredible. Um, and there are other creators of people like Molly May, et cetera, people who've done big things, but you go really like how many people can truly operate globally, have a global audience, have self-publishing to you know followers over 244 million followers across everything 18.4 whatever on their main channel how many people have a you know 10 million viewer audience every week um for their side Sunday content like and that's consistent how many people have that subscriber base of whatever on side plus like how many people have that relationship and that and that depth and the answer really is no one and there's no one who has that but really i i found this. maybe they're out there i'm just i'm just not looking in the right place it's very possible but i think i we kept coming back to it and actually realized both through you know knowing them and obviously growing up with them and knowing just how culturally i truly believe they are the biggest cultural export of this generation i don't think there is anything bigger um, for anyone on really the age of 30 i'd say in, in the uk there is nothing bigger than than the sidemen um and one direction was the equivalent for the last generation i would say really but for this generation it is the time they have defined a generation in terms of online culture like they have been running the game of youtube for 10 years so i think for us it's it was a no-brainer when the opportunity came to speak to them because there's no one bigger there's nothing quite of that scale and so for us to then say right who else could you build brand with brands with like a sides like even if you did the exercise how many people could launch a sides into three countries or however many um, how many people could launch a vodka brand and launch a membership club and when you really whittle down that list it's very few so yeah it was quite obvious to us um once we did the exercise that it was worth putting everything in and yeah i'm very glad we did it's meant a lot more creative focus so much more fun i'm liberated through my boundaries of working with the one talent one talent talent with the one client um rather than being in a management company that's trying to spread and grow for itself and that's that's the thing as well it's like it's a false economy grow the talent grow the it's my talent agency background grow grow the brand of the creator and grow their um commercial strategic and creative world and you benefit commercially off the back of that rather than trying to grow for yourself i think that's the bit management companies today there's all about like how do we scale our roster and build this and have loads of teams and whatever else it's a false economy when they're this big build for them and the rest will follow Hang on, mate. And isn't that just like the most Jordan answer in the world? Because it, it spoke to spoke to giving, you know. So, mate, uh, I appreciate that, and 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 thank you. Um, we've got Natalia in the chat saying thank you, Jordan. Love your way of thinking, big, uh, single-minded focus, and putting people around you and your clients first, uh, around your clients first, which is uh, a lovely lovely way uh to to finish the session may I, I think you've spoken to so many of the the broad and the narrow principles of building great partnerships and collaborations i hope people have been able to take them uh from this so exciting context and apply it apply it in your own worlds i mean i certainly can I, I can feel inspired for the marketing meetup so it's really appreciated um with all that said thank you everyone today for uh your your questions your contributions your, your chat comments is always and appreciated um we'll be back next tuesday uh with a a session around uncertainty and how to manage that uh but in the meantime jordan thank you for taking the time thank you for being here everyone and we'll uh, see thank you. you so much guys really really appreciate it all right take care <laughs>